Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Top Shelf Sports Talk. You're hanging out in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950. The Fan, Rochester. Does a fantastic job covering the Buffalo Sabres for the Buffalo News. Joins us now to talk Rochester Americans in their postseason run as it continues Wednesday night. Lance Lysowski of the Buffalo News joining us here in the sports bar. Lance, I don't know that any of us saw the Amherst going up 2-0 on the number one team in the North Division, but here we are with the chance for the Amherst to, to sweep Toronto come Wednesday night at Blue Cross Arena. What have your observations been of, of this series up to this point? I've been stunned by how bad the Marlies have looked. This was going to be a better matchup for Rochester, unlike Syracuse, because we all know Syracuse, big, tough team. When you have a younger team like the Amherst, that, that could be difficult. It took them a little time to adjust in that series. Well, Toronto, I thought it would be more speed on speed. That kind of plays into Rochester's hand. I've just been stunned by Toronto just doesn't have the scoring depth like Rochester does. Their goaltending has been a failure, whereas Malcolm Subban has continued to be stellar in goal for the Amherst. So it's it's all gone their way so far in a lot of ways. I thought that game two, that test, the way that they responded was really telling. Um, I think Seth Afford said after the game, he knew, he told his group that they were expecting a more physical, a faster version of the Barleys, and that was certainly the case. You saw it right from puck drop, but... Rochester matched it, and then they exceeded it throughout the game. They took over with scoring four goals in less than three minutes in the second period. I mean, they just they outclassed Toronto. Uh, two games in Toronto's home ice, and hey, they earned a pretty a pretty special opportunity here. Yeah, it, what is doing it in part? Uh, Lance Isaski, Buffalo News, uh, joining us. The power play. 47% here in the postseason, Lance? I mean, you can't keep this up, or, or can you? What, do you? what are your observations of what the Emmerichs are doing right now with the man advantage? Well, you look at who they have. They have a defenseman on each unit who can run it with precision and in an excellent way. You have Pilot and Ethan Prowl, um, both who have done it at the pro level. You know, 
in different leagues across the world, they command it. And then you look at both units, they have playmakers. You know, they've got shooters. you got Kulik on the first. got Rosane on the second. They've got the personnel and the puck movement. These opposing penalty kills just don't seem to stand a chance. And it, all, it has helped. You look at the playoffs last year. They faced much better goaltenders in the playoffs last year. This year, I mean, Eric Shelgren looked like a disaster in games one and two for Toronto. I go back to the Syracuse series and Legacy. Just he wasn't what the what Rochester faced last year when they had Caden Primo and you know and Lamal and Utica had Dodd and Schmidt that they can run out there. So. Yeah, they, they've kind of made it look easy right now, and we'll see. Linus Weisbach is an injury I'm keeping an eye on because he's a guy who not only has an impact on the power play but the penalty kill as well. Lance, you mentioned Shelgren, who has gotten shelled uh, so far in this series. We know that with the Maple Leaf season coming to an end, that Wall is getting the call down uh, to the Marlies. Do we expect to see him in Game 3, and how much of a difference will that make for Toronto? It's, I definitely expect to see them and it'll make a difference but Toronto doesn't stand a chance if they don't match Rochester's compete like the Amherst were winning puck battles with way too much consistency for the Marlies to have any chance um you know it it was just I think that Sean Malone put it best that you know uh after the game on Saturday when he said they learned lessons from their last series right you started slow and you know, they kind of turned it around there, but holding leads in the third period, they did a much better job of it Saturday. They just got to stay out of the penalty boxes. Their PK is, isn't is where they want it to be right now. The Weisbach injury will have a big hand in that. They need him healthy. He's so good on the PK. He's definitely their best. Kozakl has obviously made a, a big impact there. So, got to keep it up. I mean, because holding leads, the younger team, it's always a challenge. I just like the way that they responded in game two compared to what we saw the previous two. Yeah, Lance, uh, I remember this time last year. Well, it wasn't this time because the Amherst were already out, but my point being, Jack Quinn was gripping the stick a little bit, and he, he was pressing, and it wasn't happening, and for these kids, Rosine and Kulik, and now Kulik, five games, five goals, I'm just wondering that uh, once this postseason wraps up for Rochester, is this the last we'll see of Yuri Kulik? Yeah, I would I would say it's likely it's the last we'll see of Yuri Kulik. Look at what, what Rochester and, and the Sabres are doing. They they signed Victor Nuchet. He's going to be joining the group down there. You know, you can only have so many prospects. Right now, Kitsikov isn't playing, right? Because he, he still needs to gain strength and a way to be able to play in the playoffs. So with the sheer numbers of it, with all the guys, you can only have so many prospects. I think that that sort of signals that either Kulik, Rusek, Weissbuck, one of those guys is graduating, and right now Kulik is showing that I would be surprised if he's not the replacement for Victor Olsen in Buffalo next season. And, hey, he's earned it. He's And it's not just, you know, we, we can't just look at him and say that he's only doing it on the power play. I just like how well-rounded his game Um has been and the way he's responded to that physical nature of playoff hockey doesn't look frustrated. And the same goes for Roseanne. Like I am so impressed with the way that Roseanne looks in game two of that Syracuse series. Like he is just, he continues to improve when your youngest players are making those improvements in the playoffs. That is a really good sign for, for what they're doing. 
Lance, as you see more and more NHL teams fall out of the postseason, you start to see the offseason plate tectonics in the NHL shift a little bit and plenty of rumors out there and speculation as to what teams might do, which teams might put different players on the block and how things might shake out. Uh, one that caught my eye was was something that was being kind of tossed around earlier today, and I don't know if you saw or not, but would, would the Sabres be a team that should be interested in Connor Hellebuck if the Jets are willing to move on from him with one year left on his contract? Of course they should be interested. He's a Vesna winning goaltender. He was lights out this year. He was the big reason why they, that team even qualified for the playoffs. And the contract's reasonable, about what, $6 million, one year left. The big caveat here is, of course, Kevin Adams is going to make the phone call because he always does for any player he feels fits an area of need and is going to make you better. But the acquisition cost is going to be very high. This is an elite goaltender. There are a lot of teams, well, at least several teams, who need a guy just like Connor Hellebuck, Detroit, Ottawa, to name a couple, that the price is going to be high. It is. And I don't, and we've seen since, well, especially since 2021, when this version of the Sabres really got kickstarted. They are unwilling to pay those astronomical prices to acquire players, especially a rental like Hellebuck. I think, of course, you make the phone call because it would set up nicely. Hellebuck can play a big chunk of games. It takes some of the pressure of a Levi. You get your your true number one for a team that wants to make the playoffs. But in the end, I think that, you know, he doesn't want to part with guys like Kulik and Savoy. They're just too big of, too big of a pieces right now to this plan. And it might just be a little soon to – to move off players like that. Oh, you mean a couple second-round picks won't get it done? <laughs> no. Yeah, no. unfortunately, that is not realistic. I think, and hey, like, if he wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't make the phone call. I absolutely expect him to make the phone call because you never know, right? Like, another GM might be willing to, to part with players that, you know, you're may, maybe more willing to part with, but I, I just don't see it happening with all the other. You look at Detroit, for example. They need that elite number one. Not only do they have all the assets, they have so many draft picks. They have so many pieces they can move that it's just going to be really hard to have a competitive offer there to land Hellebuck. Just the Sabres need to hope and pray he doesn't land in their division. Lance, uh, shame on me. I couldn't stay up last night for Vegas and Edmonton. Although, for those that did, maybe had trouble uh, tuning in at the beginning. But um, your thoughts on this story about Jack Eichel now being four wins away from the Stanley Cup final? Yeah, I mean, he's earned it. That's, he was lights out in that series. His line was so dynamic. The way they played in that game last night, he, he's raised this game another level. I think he's answered a lot of questions that people had about Jack Geico. Not all of them, but, you know, it's one thing to just qualify the playoffs for the first time, to make it in, to experience it. And I think he was sort of working his way through it in the first round, but to do what he did in the second, especially going against Connor McDavid, the pressure involved there, he's been asked about it over and over again for eight years, that response, that's big time for Jack Eichel. And um, I think he reminded a lot of people how good of a player he is. And Vegas, hey, they they look outstanding, and they got much better goaltending out of Aiden Hill than anyone would have anticipated because I, that was the big question I had about them entering that series. Well, Lance, that's my question about Edmonton. Is it is it is Edmonton one of those teams that just needs some steady goaltending? And or and Skinner was nice this season, but what what is it about Edmonton? Why can't the best player in the world get to that next level? It's, it's a question that they've fired GMs and coaches to try to figure out. Right? Um, 
they signed Jack Campbell, and he still got quite a bit of term left on his deal, and good luck moving it with the way he played this year. So I think they're stuck with Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner, although I'm sure that they would love to be in the Connor Hellebuck mix. It's it's an interesting situation. They're like so many, like the one in Toronto, honestly, where yeah. what do you have to do to get your team to that next level? And it's much easier when you have solutions coming from within, you know, with prospects, with you know, they got a good one in Edmonton with Evan Bouchard. Well, Toronto's had trouble developing some of their guys, and that's been one of the, the key issues that's made them have to go out and get players like Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Chari, and, and really pay those big prices at the deadline because they don't have, you know, the prospects developing to, to be solutions to those problems. It's, it's, a, it's a predicament. It really is. Yeah, um, before we get your thoughts on, on Game 3 tomorrow night, Lance, a, a quick thought here on the uh, well, the other team that uh, Sabre fans will be, I don't know, pulling for or against, uh, you know, with Brandon Montour, where it seems like he's a different player in Florida, uh, as well as Sam Reinhardt. Funny how that works. Uh, going against Carolina, what, what are your expectations for that series? It's going to be, I mean, I'm sure the league isn't happy about it. Those two markets, they didn't want two smaller markets in the Eastern Conference Finals. They always want the bigger markets. I get it. But, I mean, Rod Brindamore, I think, is a top three coach in the league. He might, you know, he's earned that right. It's remarkable that they're in their spot that they are in right now, despite all the injuries. But they're going to have a really difficult test here with Florida. They have upped the physicality. They just bullied Toronto in that last series. Sam Reinhardt, again, another player who's taken his game to another level. I thought he was much better in round two than he was in round one. He's always been good defensively this season, but he was contributing more on the offensive side of things in that second round. The big question I have is, they're one, they've sort of had injury luck on their side here for the last month and a half to two months, especially on their blue line, right? Like, C.C. Fitzgerald got, got claimed on waivers in January by Florida, and they've been so healthy ever since. He barely got any games. You rarely see something like that. So it's going to be a physical series, tight checking. Of course, when you get Matthew Kachuk involved, it's going to be feisty. We'll see what happens. I have a hard time picking a winner there because I didn't expect Carolina in particular to make this run given all their uh, injuries. Lance, Seattle tonight, what do you think? I think they take it. I think they do. Um, Ottinger just doesn't look right. He's not playing his best. And Seattle, with that speed, that forecheck, they have an identity. They stick to it. Every team in the league that wants to have success is looking for that exact same blueprint. When you can get a group to follow it, like Seattle has, it's tough to beat. Uh, as far as Wednesday night, Lance Lysowski, Buffalo News, uh, taking on the Toronto Marlies, the Amherst. And I remember talking to Seth Appert uh, right when the team was down 2-0 to Syracuse. He said, hey, we get this first one. Pressure's not on us. All of a sudden, it goes back the other direction in a best of five. So with that, that being said here, Lance, uh, the importance of actually getting this done in three games and would the pressure swing back uh, to the Amherst here should Toronto find a way coming up Wednesday night? I think, of course, the pressure's on them. It's really difficult to, to end a team season. I, I mean, <laughs> Syracuse learned it the hard way with Rochester. We saw last year a few times when Rochester seemed to be on their, their deathbed and then to come back alive and, and win a series. So I think they're going to end it tomorrow on Wednesday night. I really do. I don't see the Marlies having enough of a response. That team looks cooked. They look like guys who want to be on the golf course. I could be wrong. I've been wrong about a lot of things in the past, guys, but – I just don't see them having enough to keep up with Rochester scoring depth. Were you at the game on Saturday, Lance? I'm, I'm curious as uh, to whether or not there was a vibe uh, that you were able to pick up on. 
I was there, yeah. It, I think they're a team who's playing loose now. I think it, now that they saw that once they got past that 2-0 deficit, I think it's a team that knows its identity, knows how it has to win games. There's just a confidence that, that comes when yet you pull off a comeback like they did in that Syracuse series. It was huge for them. And I think having a goalie like Malcolm Subban, who's been so steady and consistent, it helps. He's a veteran guy. He's been he's been the guy all you know basically all season long because UPL was in the NHL. And when you have that goalie who's a game changer at this level, it's massive. You know because a lot of teams don't have it. You look at the playoffs. The ones who didn't, they they went out early, and that's been a big issue for Toronto so far. And as much as I like Joseph Hall as a, as a prospect, I don't think he's going to be enough. I, I I just don't think the Marlies have four lines and three D pairs that you can roll out there and actually beat this Rochester team. Wait, did the Maple Leafs exit here impact the Marlies in any way? Meaning, like like Seth, you know what it is to live in Buffalo when the Bills have a postseason loss. is like, oh, and the next day is like morning. What is it like being in Toronto the morning after uh, that you see the Leafs go out in the postseason? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that I – that has to be a pretty depressed fan base right now, and I don't blame them because there's no easy solution. Nobody – they ran it back last summer when they shouldn't have, thinking that it was that they were going to have different results. They won one playoff series against an old, beat-up Tampa Bay team. You know, congratulations. There's really no – there's no real accomplishment there. Tampa looked like a disaster at the end of the regular season, and it kind of carried over into the playoffs. So, yeah, we'll see what goes on there. I'm very fascinated to see who gets fired because you know there's going to be change. They're not going to make changes for the sake of it, but it, there's going to be franchise altering type of change there. And anytime you have a fan base that's gone this long without success and there's all that pressure in that market, I just think they need to change the mix. They they really do. Now that's that's a tough one. That is a tough place to play. I don't envy a lot of the guys who do it. Lance, we're going to talk to uh, Emmerich's head coach, Seth Apper, tomorrow afternoon at 425. Before we talk to him, I wanted to get your take on what happened game one with the roster mismanagement. There was a little bit of a a, a mix-up there. Can you explain what happened during game one that that forced the Emmerich's to play a little bit shorthanded? Yeah, hey, sometimes... um you know, you know, person on the staff makes a mistake, right? It, it happens. Um, you know, you have a couple, two different lineup cards sometimes, one in case a guy's not able to go and one in case he is. Wrong one can get turned in. We've seen it before. Um, it's very unusual, though, for the player to be out there for basically an entire period and then the team get called on it. Uh, so, hey, it happens, and I'm sure the, the person who had that lineup card in was – very thankful that the team won that game because that's a pretty awkward conversation. Well, even more awkward if um, they lose that one. So, yeah. Thoughts and prayers after that person. <laughs> after that one. Danger. You asking Seth that? I don't know. If I well, I would say, no, is, is it a yeah. no harm, no foul situation yeah. on that one? I mean, because that I would imagine that that's something you don't want sliding through the cracks on a game day. Yeah, it depends who your boss is, right? No harm, no foul. I don't know what their approach is. It's not certainly not something they want to happen again, but Hey, people make mistakes. Uh, I do in my job. Everybody does in theirs. So, um, yeah, they did. I felt bad for Brendan Warren because that guy worked so hard to get back in the lineup and then to find out that way that uh, you can't finish the game. Mm. Sorry. That's a, that's a tough one. That is. Are, are you coming out to the Flower City on Wednesday, Lance? I will be there, absolutely. So, hopefully, uh, run into you guys. Uh, always a pleasure to see you there. 
Yeah, we'll be up in the concourse, so we'll have to, you know, looking forward to catching up. When do, uh, in, in the meantime, is there a maintenance day uh, that's going to drop between now and then? And what can folks read in the Buffalo News there in line? I honestly don't know. I do have a, a, a Q&A with Jason Carmanos that's going to be in uh, the Wednesday paper uh, ahead of the game on Wednesday. So that's the, the one thing I got going on right now and getting ready for Wednesday and starting to work on draft stuff already. So I'm already switching into that gear. Love it. Lance, we'll look forward to seeing you on Wednesday in person at the arena. Don't be a stranger. Thanks for all you're doing covering the Amherst through this postseason run, and we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Always appreciate it. Have there a great day. Yep. Lance Lysowski covering the Sabres, covering the Amherst. Buffalo News, one of our favorites, joining us here on the Sports Bar. We look forward to Wednesday afternoon as we take the show on the road. We'll be live from Blue Cross Arena. You mentioned it, Gino, right in the concourse above the Amherst team store. Broadcasting live is like our extended pregame before puck drop at 7 o'clock. We'll be live from 3 until 7. Yeah, looking for I, like, I love that location, too. We can't go to the other side of the arena because there's going to be some live music. Mm. And I'll see if we can't get a ticket count because I've got a hunch. It's going to be a tough ticket coming yeah, up. I, I think there's a lot going on in Rochester this week. And, man, just spending some time walking around the Flower City, spending some time taking it all in. We look our best this time of year, don't we, Rochester? I mean, I, like I just like everything is green. Everything is in bloom. And you'll see Oak Hill this weekend, whether you're there in person or you're watching the PGA Championship on TV. It's like, all right, yeah, this is this is the best time of year. Yeah, you, what? Uh, the other major, they have the Azaleas, right? The yeah. Masters. We've got the Lilacs That's here. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we won't talk about the Lilacs. But, yes, we yes we do have them. Um, we will get to happy hour here in just a couple few. Uh, lots to get to there's uh, some bills notes of uh note here in the last 24 hours including a a um a finalization of the preseason schedule we'll get to that let you know when and where the bills will be playing their preseason games a couple of free agent signings as well all of that and more next here in the sports bar danger and bataglia on the fan rochester odyssey has sports for every fan keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts a-u-d-a-c-y odyssey Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.